Recorded live. Hello? 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 Can anyone hear me?
Hello. I can't hear anybody. You can hear me. Okay. So what you need to do is, I think, hang up. Are you calling through the computer or are you calling from your cell phone? I see there's two people on the line, but I can't hear either one of you. I'm calling through computer. Um, I think, can you call through the phone? Try and call through your phone. Let's see. Hello? Hi, I hear somebody. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Yay. <laughs> it's Arsley. Hi, Arsley. Hi. How are you? Good. <laughs> yeah, the first one on. A couple of people are trying to get on, but they're um. Okay. They're, I think yeah, I more. think I think I I think I was on before you, and then when you got on, then you couldn't hear me. But it might have just been the headset that I was using. Oh, okay. Um, I hung up and tried again. Good. Hello. I see someone Hello? else is on. Hi. Hi. Annie is here. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Annie. Hi. Ooh. How are you? Good. You're okay. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hmm? Yeah. Can you hear us? Yeah. Morning. How are you? Oh, good. You're on. Great. Okay. How are you? Good. Okay, someone else just logged in, um, but they're not on with us. They logged off. Okay. I hear someone talking, but they sound really far away. I I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's. I think that's somebody. Somebody else, mm-hmm. or like somebody in the in the background of a house or something. Ah, okay. Okay. I'm just going to, um, I'm on a live chat room with people that are logging on through their computers, so I'm going to ask them to just call in. Okay. Bear with me for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that, that voice too. Is that somebody? Oh, I think that actually might be an echo of your voice. What I heard was the same thing that you just said. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I muted my laptop. 
This is Safia. Hi, Safia. Hi. Okay, a bunch of people are coming on. Hey, Sophie. Hi, Sophie. Hi. Oh, hi. Yes. Okay. Is everyone okay? All right. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. Hi, Julia. <laughs> yes, hi. <laughs> okay, hi, Julia. This is weird. Anyone I can recognize. I'll give it a few minutes, and then um, when everyone, it looks like more people are logged on, then it definitely helps if you're speaking, and this is MA, just to say who you, who's talking, and it will help people kind of, like, identify. Does it take a few minutes to get adjusted to being on a group call like this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the first call also, sometimes people have a hard time if they're not used to it, um, just like even just logging on. So mm-hmm. I'll just kind of give it a little bit of a few minutes. Let me see who's here. This is Becky. I'm here. Hi, Becky. Hello. Hi, Becky. Hello. Hi, Danielle's also on. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. <laughs> Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hi, this is Brooke. Brooke is on. Hi, Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Hey. This is Deepa. I'm here. Hi, Deepa. Hi, Hi. Hi. <laughs> This is fun. Keep going. <laughs> this is weird. This is so bizarre. <laughs> this is weird, right? <laughs> a bunch of voices. Like visualize. visualize our circle. In person circle. <laughs> Hello. Hi, who's that? Hi. Hello. 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 Who's this? This is Emma. Hi, it's Shoshana. Hi. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Guys, this is Arsley. I miss hearing everyone's voice. This is so fun. Hi, <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, who jumped on? I just saw someone come on. I'm sorry? I said I just saw somebody log in. So I can see where people are calling in from. I just can't see all the names, just so you know. I can see a couple of names, but I can't. I can see like regions. So oh, you can see people come on the uh, call. Yeah, yeah. Got I can it. See people come on or come off. Yeah. Hey, May, can I ask if we lose the call because I'm in the car? Are we able to call back? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Perfect. And partly, how are you even calling? What? How are you calling, Arsley? You don't even have a phone. I know. I'm <laughs> using my husband's phone. I still don't have my phone up and running. I was going to do it, but then it, like, froze on me. Aww. So, I know. Um, so, now I'm trying to figure out what exactly are my next best options. Because I really don't want to have to pay for a new phone. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I think we're only. I think there's only two people not with us. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Is, is Janelle on? Yes, Janelle's on. Hi. 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 Janelle. Hi. 
Maybe Amanda. Amanda, are you on? Not yet. Um, who else? I feel like there's someone else. I have to look at our picture. Stacy? Stacy's oh, yeah. on. Oh, hi, Stacy. <laughs> Sophie's on, Danielle. Um, Nelly. Yes, I'm on. Hi. 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 <laughs> Brooke is on. Yes. Anna, Annie, Julia. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're all here. Except for oh. Nelly, I think. Great. No, Nelly. Yeah, no, I'm here. No, oh, sorry, here. Nelly's here. Sorry, Nelly is here. Sorry, hon. It's okay. Uh, maybe everyone Amanda. Here, except for Amanda. Amanda yeah, is not Amanda. here. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, welcome, everyone, to our first teleclass. Um, mm. It's really great to hear everyone's voice and to reconnect in this way. I know it takes a few minutes to adjust, and, and it's different than being in the training together, but um, we'll do our best to, you know, to, to give everyone time to share. And, um, you know, similar to the training, each topic will, will be really another opportunity to just have a deeper conversation and continue our learning together and, um, and also catch up and, and report back if things are going on for you or you have any questions regarding the program or had an experience that you do want to check in about and share, um, you know, I usually start all with a very brief check-in from anyone who feels they really, you know, that they're wanting to share with the group, and then we'll go into the topic. But um, I know we only have an hour, so um, so I'll keep that check-in in the beginning of a little bit shorter. Um, so, so just with that, um, you know, if there's anybody that wants to start, with, it, with checking in about how they're feeling since the training ended or anything that's coming up for you or any questions regarding the training or the program, um, let's open it up for the next maybe five, five, ten minutes for that, and then we'll move on to our topic. And also, if you, if you do speak, please introduce who's talking so people can, so we can connect more to your name. name of, yeah. Got it. Hi, I'm Shoshana. Hi, guys. Hi. So, um, I just wanted to say I'm feeling, like, really invigorated after the training. Um, I've been talking a lot with Simone and Emily about, like, organizing DTI self-care programs and other, like, doula slash mom events and stuff like that. And it's just been really fun to just feel, like, very excited and involved with people that are within the community. So that's all I just wanted to say, like a general thing. Great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Anyone else? Hold on, hold on. Amanda, did you just join us? I did. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. I had a no. kindergarten orientation. Oh, wow. <laughs> no. I, just I, saw, I saw this number, the number pop up, so I thought maybe it would be a fun to welcome you. I have a yeah. question about the pictures. Like, how do we get, I mean, I know that I got the pictures in the email, but um, how do we get them, like, how, how do you, I guess, yeah. how would you download, like, could you, I mean, download them, like, onto a website? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's, like, you kind of, like... You can put them on a zip drive, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, oh, okay. I guess I can figure it out. Oh, it's all right. 
Yeah, you can download it straight from Dropbox, either onto your desktop or onto a zip drive, and then it will live on your computer as an independent file. Okay. Yeah. Dropbox. Okay. Dropbox. Also, I found a really cool website um, that I uh, started to kind of put together um, a possible website with. Like, I've been doing little trials at, like, Mm -hmm. other free little website websites. Companies and this one's called 99 Cent, I think it was, or something. 99 Cent? Uh, what was it? What? It was uh, 99, let me, I have to find it. Uh, but I really liked the way that it was 99design.com. Design. Okay. Okay, great. So that is just as a side note of like, the whole talking time. about the website. Great. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to check in before we talk about induction? Um, this is Sophie. Um, I I can't remember who it was that posted on the Facebook group about the sending the ships out. Um, (laughs) but that really stuck with me and I've really been trying to stick to it every day. Um, and it's been really good. Like I'm going to attend a breastfeeding support group tomorrow because I reached out to someone and, um, I've reached out to some doulas in my community and it's just been a really kind of like nice way to sort of frame the day and like have a goal for the day to like be reaching out to three people per day. So. Yay. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's been good. Really good. Yeah, it's a great metaphor, and it kind of like it helps kind of frame frame your work day if you're starting out with some, you know, that one ship could be really small, it could be a really big one, you know. And yeah. Um, your key commit to that goal. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it, this is Amanda. Um, and just to add on to that in the idea that, you know, it feels like some, some days it feels like the momentum of it all has waned. And so to remember something like that just keeps me focused. And, um, but it, it, can, it, it's, it can be hard to, um, you know, have uh, your, your goal in sight. So being able to have it small certainly um, helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it also this is Arsley. I feel like it also helps me stay like kind of proactive because I think since the training I've been a little bit I've felt a little bit lost because like there I feel like there's so much to do and I'm not entirely sure exactly where to begin. Um mm-hmm. and I almost sometimes feel like I can't do one thing until the other thing is done, but then um I can't really yeah. get that thing done yet. So um and so I've ended up just sort of spending a ton of time on Facebook on, like, the Metro Doula groups and also sort of all these um, groups to, like, see what's out there and to, like, kind of try to get my name out there and, and to meet people. Um, but that's, like, totally, like, reactive. And I feel like the three-ship thing, I haven't been doing it daily, but I've been trying to be really good about doing it at least weekly. Um, and that has helped me, you know, sort of stay to kind of keep that momentum going, like you were saying, Amanda, and, and feel like I'm being proactive still mm-hmm. um, and not just, you know, not so, like, lost a little. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
if you can feel lost, it's a man's idea. Uh, uh, just um, because the work um, I, I, I can can kind of be overlooked, the work of Abdullah, and then there's people who are so supportive of it, and then there are people like, what? What do you mean you're going to be? A, you know, so it's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So it's it's just you know keeping the energy that we had for those five days and you know to um to keep it going you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and one thing too I, I think also for you know when you're when you're starting out at least with this program use the program as part of your base to keep the momentum mm-hmm. going whether it's like you know what this week I'm going to start to tackle this book. And mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. kind of like go back to some of the basic things that are that are built in as our requirements, because okay. I think if um, you know that that is part of it, and it's and and even just reading and kind of staying engaged with the material will keep you connected. And then maybe you know at least in these these first few weeks, um, sending out a few emails, whether it's about auditing a class or. Um, you know, connecting with a doula collective or something like that or connecting with another doula in the training to talk about, you know, supporting each other or helping each other find clients or something, you know, that's a little more tangible in that way will also keep the momentum going and won't feel as overwhelming as, okay, now I need to build a website, get the business cards, write my contract, find yeah. the clients, like all of it, it yeah. will <laughs> yeah. feel too much. But kind mm-hmm. of working what yeah. this program is, um, yeah. you know, will certainly, because each time you do a little bit, it will also open up to meeting more people, which will hopefully lead to you getting clients. Um, yeah. Right. You know, so if you do go to a breastfeeding workshop, you may meet, you may meet somebody or a childbirth education yeah. class. Mm-hmm. Um you may, you know, you may find that client. So, um, yeah, and even using some of the templates with the contracts that are in the binder or reaching yeah. out to me, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a starting point is totally fine before you do a website or your business cards or all of that. It yeah. doesn't, you know, it's going yeah. to be different for each person depending mm-hmm. on where you're at with your own doula experience and career and, you know, are you making a career change? Are you are you practicing already as a doula and you're mm-hmm. continuing your work? Um, it will be different for everybody, but mm-hmm. yeah. I and reach out to I, me too. We can always make a schedule, which I've done for other people in the program, where we look mm-hmm. at all the requirements and I help create like a monthly schedule, a goal for the nine-month program. You know, this month you're going to tackle the classes and this month maybe focusing more on whatever it is and we go through the nine months together as a mentorship call and help set those goals which can help too okay yeah. i will be reaching out to you for that. yeah it's a really it really does help it otherwise i think you may feel you know it's easy to get into sort of an overwhelmed space when you're looking yeah. at it all at once yeah yeah right, yeah right yeah like it's like staring at a blank page. You're kind of just like, okay, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
or actually like what I'm doing right now, which is staring into my bedroom, which is like piles and piles of like, no, seriously, there's like at least 10 different piles of clothes that need to be put away. And like, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) And unpacking on top of that. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So maybe, you know, just for the month of June, you're going to focus on two of the books. Mm-hmm. While you're sending out some ships and you're sending out mm-hmm. some emails, but you know, look at look at the whole program and say like, okay, what you know, what can I do that and maybe at the end of the day, I can read yeah. this many pages, you know, and kind of enjoy more of the learning process and the stories of some of the, that are in mm-hmm. some of the books and right. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Anything else? Hi, this is Danielle. I just wanted to share quickly an experience I had yesterday. Yeah. So we were coming back from an upstate wedding in New York, and it was like an eight-hour drive, and we were exhausted, and we um, stopped in town before we got home to have lunch, and we were eating on the patio. And I was trying to get into the table, and I accidentally bumped the woman's chair behind me, and she said, oh, I'm so sorry that you can't fit in the spot. And she says, I'm three months postpartum, and, you know, I still have 30 pounds to lose. And she seemed exasperated. So I was like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. I'm 20 months postpartum, and, you know, I still have, like, eight pounds to lose. And she was like, and then she just blurts out, I'm having so many problems breastfeeding. I'm not making enough milk. I can't afford a lactation counselor. We're trying to get pregnant, so I'm stopping breastfeeding because I've heard that you can't conceive while you're breastfeeding. And she literally went on for like 15 minutes about all these issues and problems mm-hmm. she was having. And so I just told her that I'm a birth and part of doula, and she turned around and gave me a hug and was like, oh. I have your telephone <laughs> and she already reached out to me this morning. So I thought that was pretty incredible. Wow. We were so tired in the drive, and I was like a zombie. And I definitely wasn't in the moment to be inviting anyone into my universe. You know, and I mean, it just happened. So I just kind of wanted to mention, even when we're least expecting it, you know, if you don't have a child with you, I think like oh. wearing a DPI shirt or carrying around a book that you're reading or something, you know, that invites someone to join a conversation with you. Um, it's just pretty incredible. So That's great. That's, That's great. Good job, Danielle. Yay. Okay. <laughs> I think I, it seems like I definitely have my work cut out there because everything she was saying, you know, I was like, oh, yeah. that's an accurate statement. That's an inaccurate statement, you know. So I, I have to gather my thoughts before I call her back, you know. But, yeah, I just I just kind of wanted to mention it, that it seems like when, even if we're, when we're least expecting it, you know, something will definitely come in related to this line of work. So. That's great. It's so universal. Fantastic. That's one of the yeah. things, you know, you can you could move anywhere in the world and there will be birth, there will be pregnancy, there'll be postpartum, you know, experiences. Mm-hmm. And um it's really it, it is an amazing just uh, you know, window in to connecting with people, all different cultures, all different countries, all different languages. It's it's a universal experience. 
So, yeah, that's so great. Um, and I, I just want to say something quickly. I just was uh, out with the dogs while walk, talking to you guys and uh, got a little rained on. So I'm going to have the phone on speaker so I can keep listening, but I'm going to also keep it on mute so that I can get ourselves cleaned up. Because I'm also going to be heading to work. So I just wanted to let you know it. I'll be on mute. Is that okay? No problem. Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm on mute as well because my my uh, baby's in the back making noise. So I'm yeah. I'm oh, I keep taking it off mute. Cool. Yep. If okay. you want, if you want to share, just unmute. That's totally yes. fine. Okay. Um. Great. Anything else? And then I think we're gonna jump into talking about injection. It's Amanda. Um. I am probably going to be meeting up with a, a friend of a friend who is 18 weeks pregnant, and she um, uh, wrote an email that she wants me with me to to pick my brain. And I'm I'm trying to I'm wondering uh, how I should approach this meeting, this first meeting with her, because it doesn't really feel like I mean it's an interview for sure, but I don't know if she's really in the market for a doula and I remember us talking about like not giving away all your goods at the first meeting mm-hmm. and like what I guess I, I would just like um, what sort of advice do you have as to like what to say what not to say I, I mean I, I'm going into thinking I will be a good listener and like find out about how her pregnancy has been going and just sort of we kind of feel each other's energy but um, is there anything else that you think um, I could bring to the table or I should say or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone want to want to share some in, or give some input before? I, I see. This is actually, I feel like, you know, your, um, your like mind frame of just being going in and, and, you know, listening to sort of gauge, you know, her interest um, is and in, in her energy is a really good strategy. And I, I think you can go even further and really kind of, um, you know, instead of, uh, I mean, you want to be proactive, but you, you, like you said, you don't want to like give away everything. Um, but I think maybe a way to do that is to really kind of like question, like ask her questions, you know, really ask her like, well, what do you think, you know, you what do you think the role of the doula would be or why do you, why are you like, tell me what your thoughts are around it. And like, you know, are you, you know, how interested are you? What's holding you back? Like, you know, what are your, you know, what are some of your thoughts around like why it would be a good idea for you to do it? What are your, what does your partner think? And like sort of, you know, make her talk more about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this is Annie. I also just want to say that we, um, like, I remember us talking a lot about the difference between the interview and the initial consultation. So Mm -hmm. I definitely think if you're thinking of it as an interview, go with that. And then when you, or if you do get hired by her, then, like, think about the things that you would do in the initial consultation and, like, maybe hold off on those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can also, you know, you can talk about the topics that you'll cover more in depth with her. If you, you know, I often say, and if you decide to work with me, if it feels like a connection for you, you know, these are some of the things we would really take the time to talk more more in depth about. 
and I'll mm-hmm. list some of those topics. Or, you know, other ways that I can support you is through this if we were to work together. And I don't really, I don't go into those conversations, but I mention them um, mm-hmm. as, as sort of like a preview to what my work would, would include in, in the doula, you know, relationship and kind of like this is what it would entail. Okay. Um, you know, and, and then talk through that, you know, that could be topic specific, and but just leave it at the topic level and then also to be, you know, that I would be with you through the labor process and kind of describe the role of what we're doing without um, the specifics. Um, yeah. She gets a fuller picture of like, wow, I could, I would really love that. Or, okay, that may not be a fit for me if she's still deciding. Yeah. And be, and I would be also be aware of time, right? Because it could be, you could easily go into a two hour conversation or a 45-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute kind of meeting together. Um, So kind of just being aware of your own boundary as you're sharing and talking to will kind of, you know, you'll be leading the conversation in that way. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great. So... um, I want to move on to to our topic, and you know, part of why we start with this as one of our earlier calls, even even though we are aware that that you may not have uh, attended any births yet, is to prepare you ahead of time um, for for that. Because I feel like um, navigating induction and being aware of this topic was something that, again, I wasn't really prepared for, and I just learned as I went along but then quickly realized that the majority of my clients had to confront these issues um, or conversations with their care provider and that it was really something that um, that I needed to know more about. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of open it up again to discussion and, and if anyone has any anything to share that has, that, you know, with, you have experience being at inductions like Becky or Shoshana or anyone else, um, please, please add to it. So, um, you know, so it feels more conversational for everyone. Um, but I, the way that I like to kind of think about induction is the way we talk about it from the dualist perspective is kind of putting it into um, two categories. One is natural induction, forms of induction that support the body and may support, uh, you know, labor to come on. Um, and then medical induction. And, you know, with both, really, there's always the question of, is induction necessary at all? You know, is there, do we have a chance right now, does this this woman have a chance right now to not do anything at all? Like, is anything needed at all, even with natural forms of induction? That's kind of why I put it in quotations on on the description on the email, because that's a question worth asking all the time. Um, and usually that will come back to who the woman is, who, who, the, who the client is, who the care provider is, and what their protocols are around that. So um, let's have a discussion. What are, when you think about supporting the body, and I'm talking about end of pregnancy also. I need to kind of frame it that way. End of pregnancy, 40 weeks on, or 30 and 39 weeks on, Ways to support the body um, that are that are kind of a categor- categorized as natural forms of induction. What comes to mind are some tips and suggestions. Uh, 
Sex. Sex. <laughs> yeah. Evening Walking primrose out. oil. Mm-hmm. Evening primrose oil. I've heard so, about castor oil. What did you say? Castor oil. This is Sephia. Castor oil, yeah. Doing squats. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. This is uh, this is Julia. So is this is this like um, when the postpartum you're talking about, or you're talking about like as she's giving I'm, birth? I'm talking about end of pregnancy and working with a client who um, is wanting labor to to begin, and also supporting her body towards the end of pregnancy. Okay. So, yeah, so the baby's really, still in the belly. This is still on top on topic for me because just a few days ago, MA, I posted on the Metro Jula Group Facebook page just, you know, I had like the basic ideas of how to um, induce labor. One of my best friends lives in California and is today is her four, oh God, she's at 42 weeks and four days today. Mm-hmm. And it's her first baby, and she just kind of was, like, freaking out and talking to me. And I gave her all the natural induction, you know, instructions that I had already known and read about. But I reached out to the doula group just maybe hoping to get some kind of, like, wacky thing that I'd never heard of out there, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, yeah. she, the induction for me is really on topic right now because she right. probably – at the hospital right now, being induced unnaturally with medication. Right. right. So maybe um, this is Julia. This, uh, maybe also, um, you know, just anything that relaxes her, whatever mm-hmm. you know, basically relaxes her um, yep. and gets her mind off of the fear. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause that's you know, if if she's afraid, she's all tense. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so visualizations, relaxation. If they're doing hypnobirthing, they could do hypnobirthing tapes or yoga nidra. Absolutely, ways to kind of help her relax and connect. No, let me ask pressure and acupuncture. Acupuncture. Oh yeah. Yes, really effective. Do some people say taking long walks? Absolutely. Yeah, long um, long walks. this This is Nelly. I was I was reading also um, earlier this week um, for having certain fruits, pineapples, and um, <laughs> also sex. Yeah. So the sex and the so sex and the evening primrose oil, especially you know, it's about the reason the reason that that can help things along is that there are prostaglandins in both sperm and then the evening primrose oil. So evening primrose oil. Depending on the care provider, may be suggested anywhere from 37, 38 weeks on, mm-hmm. and it can be inserted into the vagina or it can be taken um, orally. Um, so uh-huh. Could I just ask a question? This is Julia. So, if if let's say um, just maybe not even sex, but maybe just you know stimulation of like the the genitals. Mm-hmm. That would be well, included, sure. right? Yeah. So nipple stimulation um, is a, a way to. To you know, elevate the right. hormones and also release oxytocin, you know, as well as orgasm or any kind of sexual sensuality um, would increase the oxytocin, which would be 
elevating hormones and also potentially be a catalyst for labor. Mm-hmm. What about like doesn't the 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 baby um, initiate the birth or, or like through the hormones? Yes. Well, I mean, in a sense, or uh, yeah, it, yes, in, but but I think that there is you know that the the mother also can stimulate those hormones too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I guess I see it as like a symbiotic relationship of working together. But then sometimes that may not happen. So Right, okay. Right. This is Deepa. I have a question about the casserole. Mm-hmm. Where do yeah, we find the where do we find like the I know we're not you know, in a non clinical way, but you can offer guidance about, you know, different techniques that you can use. Where would you find the guidelines, for instance, for like how much castor oil to take or right. how much evening prim- primrose oil to take? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's going to, I mean, usually I go to midwives and ask them those questions mm-hmm. and say, you know, what do you recommend? I mean, Ina, Ina May has a concoction that, you know, you can look up. Um, I'm looking it up right now with the castor oil. I'm not sure if it's in her book. I can't remember if it is or not. Um, and the one, the one thing that um, I have that I learned uh, last a few months ago about castor oil is being careful. Some moms develop ulcers and IBS, and mm-hmm. also just their own natural diarrhea, like like diuretic problems during labor, like um, pregnancy. So castor oil is not always recommended to people who yeah. haven't had a really lovely pregnancy or even, like, the end stage has gotten um, a little medically, you know. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't say medical because it's IBS and, you know, diarrhea. But castor oil for someone who's having diarrhea and IBS and ulcers is not a recommendation at all. Yeah, and sometimes it will just be that. Like, it just will create diarrhea and irritability and nothing Mm -hmm. else. And Um, also dehydration. I mean, I feel like, you know, people throw castor oil around um, a lot, but I think, like, you know, my midwives were always very... Like, this is the absolute last, like, if you're super, yeah. super, super desperate, it's, like, the last, last, last measure of it, you know? <laughs> right. And it um, really depends on who that person, who they're with, the yeah. provider. Yeah. Some yeah. other care providers may, you know, prescribe it for every woman. I feel yeah. like it's definitely more effective if a woman's already in early labor um, mm-hmm. instead of just, like, going from nothing to just taking <laughs> castor oil right. or smaller mm-hmm. amounts you know, that may, to trial it out a little bit. But I've definitely been with other women where it just created a lot of time on the toilet, which also Mm -hmm. may, as the bowels are emptying and those muscles are being used, may also, you know, help things get started, um, but be uncomfortable. Um, It can make um, contractions, this is Becky, it also can make contractions more painful for some women. um, And not necessarily... You know, it's it's a good thing to get contractions more intense and moving along. But for some reason, for some women, it can make the birthing experience a much more difficult thing to work through. Um, right. So I, I feel like they should we should remind them of that ahead of time if that's something they're considering. That this, you know, it, it's not necessarily foolproof with every woman. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the question again, I think whenever we're talking about induction, is is this really needed? Like. Mm-hmm. 
could we just wait? Are there other things to do that are either more gentle or, or just do nothing, right? And so there's a huge range of normal here for, uh, for all people. Some, you know, I've been with women that have gone well into their 43rd week. I have had clients who had three babies. They all were born in their 43rd week. That's how long that woman carries babies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, other people where at 41 weeks, the care provider, or 40 weeks, the care provider is already talking about induction. So, so it really varies very greatly from care provider to care provider. That I have yeah. that I just really don't, you know, obviously I don't know enough about, but it's, it's something I feel frustrated with is just like the idea that once you get to this point that everything is just like over and ruined and you're just being wheeled into a C-section. And it's hard because, you know, a lot of clients and women I talk to my age who are thinking about having kids or things like that, they all immediately go, I'm going to, like a lot of people I talk to are just going, of course I have the baby in the hospital going to have this and that so um if you're going to go outside of like a midwife home birth how do you avoid that kind of like forced induction by your OBGYN right mm-hmm. so um you are informed and and you know you're advocating for yourself and yeah. hopefully um I'm posting articles as we're going to. Um, you are, you know, you have you have a strong team behind you. Um, it really, this is unfortunately, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to post more about the natural forms of induction because I want to, I want to get move on to the other piece of the conversation. But unfortunately, the stress and the anxiety and the depression that could even happen for so many people when they're starting to feel very threatened at 40 weeks, like they've been pregnant this whole time, they make it to the end of the full-term pregnancy, and all of a sudden they're stuck in these conversations and they're having to go in every two days, every three days, and it becomes a tremendous amount of stress, which we know does not support labor, you know, Um, it becomes really problematic and unfortunate and, 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 and yeah, it's overwhelming. So, you know, this is often where doulas really do come in to offer more support through the phone, either go see your client, talk through, really get, get clear about what's necessary and is there a medically indicated reason to induce or not and help your client talk about it from that perspective rather than just, a time issue. Um, you know, I've seen people change care providers at 41 weeks because of this. I have seen women feel really bullied into it and, and feel very defeated during this navigation of induction. Um, I've seen inductions go really smoothly, medical inductions go really smoothly, and I've seen other inductions completely cascade into, you know, emergency situations. And so you never know where it's going as the doula when you're supporting through, you know, this this process. And having those conversations ahead of time are so important. Um, And if the person feels like they're starting to have these conversations at 38 weeks, you have the heads up as a doula to prepare your client and yourself for what's maybe to come. 
And so all this, the natural forms, and I'm not really talking about the castor oil or the cohosh, as that's another herb that's often given um, by midwives, blue and black cohosh, um, that I wouldn't prescribe as a doula, but a care provider would. You know, those are more um, things for maybe starting and they're wanting to intensify the contractions or the process. But walking, sex, red raspberry tea, massage, acupuncture, acupressure, um, nipple stimulation, you know, or just physical touch with partner um, or themselves, their own body. Those are all things I think of as supportive for the end of pregnancy and less kind of about a push to get the baby or the, the labor going. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that these are all. And also I try to weave it into self-care. So if it's intimacy, you know, talk about dates, the couple going on dates and taking a nice long walk in the evening and then, you know, if it feels comfortable, make love and, and touch or just take a shower together or make out or just kind of get the juices going and the hormones flowing um, and try and, you know, instead of putting more pressure on, kind of bring it into a place of pleasure and back to sexuality and pleasure for the couple, for the person. Um, so that's kind of one way of thinking about it. If you're moving towards the medical induction, I want to start the conversation with, you know, a lot of doulas um, have different opinions about when to go for an induction. So one thing I've noticed for myself is that it's been really important to be there when an induction begins and to go with my clients to the hospital and help them get adjusted to that new environment, even if there's not one contraction happening. And that was a real kind of like a light went off for me a few years ago about that because typically I was trained and I feel like most doulas practice, um, you know, in a way where they go to the induction once things get going and there's active labor happening. But that could be 12 or 24 hours into an induction and so much happens emotionally for that person ahead of time Mm -hmm. that I felt often that I wasn't, that it was just as valuable to be with her um, in the beginning process as it was later on, or that I was actually doing, more, I was giving more support by being there early. And that I wasn't coming in as somebody who saw the process, um, that I wasn't coming in in the when something happens part of the birth, but that I'm there to support through all stages, even when there's nothing happening. That to mm-hmm. set that emotional tone and to represent something also in the hospital for the, the client. Um, And that may mean that I go early, I make that adjustment with them, I set them up, we kind of set the tone, maybe we even do a relaxation, and then I leave and come back in the morning, okay? And that's going to be your call. You may try different things and see what feels right, but something really clicked for me when I thought, I'm not, if I'm only showing up when things are happening, I felt like I was suddenly supporting managed care, like, that, that, that I step in when there's a certain number of, di- you know, a certain number of, of at dilation or centimeters or I, it just, it started to feel like I was falling into this kind of medical model of seeing, of, of viewing support rather than this full, fuller continuum of support. So that was a switch just in the way I started working with induction. Um, most inductions if their medical induction will begin in the evening. That's pretty typical. So I'm going to go through, I just want to make sure to cover a few different medicines for induction so you have a clearer sense. And then I'll open it up for questions. 
Um, so pretty, you know, typical medication to start an induction with is Cervidil, which is a cervical ripener. And what is it called, sorry? Cer- Cervidil. I think I see this chat for and it's it looks like a like a small tampon with a string, and on the end of the the tampon cotton part is the medicine, and it's artificial prostaglandins that are inserted into the cervix, and it softens the cervix. And sometimes contractions will start with just Cervidil, and typically not always, but typically it'll start it in the evening. It could be like eight or nine at night. She goes in for the induction in the evening. Um, I would be there and, you know, get her kind of settled in, and then they would insert the cervidil, and, and after she's um, asked to just lay, lay flat and let the medicine absorb in and not leak out for at least two hours or so. And then after that, she can get up and walk around. But typically, she may just sleep and spend the night, and that's it, and then see what happens through the night, and then I would check back in the morning and either meet them in the morning or be checking in throughout that the day. Usually I go in the morning. Okay, so that's one scenario. Um, and like I said, sometimes that will jumpstart contractions, just the cervidil, but not often, but sometimes. I think there's a, there's a statistic of either 20 or 25% of people will, will go into labor with just cervidil. And again, that's going to depend on how how her body is walking into it, right? Is she already dilated? It? Is her cervix anterior and soft and, you know, faced? All of that, you'll be asking and wanting to know all of that information. Of course, she will too. Um, and then there's lots of different things to do from that point. So another option is a Foley catheter balloon. And that is something that's inserted into the cervix and it's attached to this balloon is a are three tubes that um, they inject with saline. And so the fluid goes up through the tubes and into the balloon and it starts to kind of stretch the cervix manually. And so it's not there's no medicine attached to it. It's it's a it's a mechanical device and it slowly stretches the cervix open to maybe four or five centimeters, which at that point, it just falls out on its own. And it's not as typical to see this as an option or even be offered, but I have, just in my own experience, had really great results with induction for my clients with this device. Because once it's inserted, they can move around and labor on as as they wish, they could take showers, they could walk around, the birth ball, dance, again? do all the things. Foley catheter balloon. Foley? Foley. Foley. F-O-L-E-Y. Yes. Okay, great. And so a, a, a mother can't um, move around as much with Cervidil? Well, Not after initially. the Cervidil absorbs, you can. Uh, oh, you okay. can move okay. around. Okay. And all Cervidil right. will last in 12 hours. 12, 12 hours. hours? 12, yeah. Uh, so does, they may do does, another round of Cervidil. Oh, okay. Does the Foley catheter balloon, does it hurt? Is it, is it plastic? Yeah. Is it, that sounds painful. What, what, fabric, what kind of material is it? Well, I, I mean, I've heard different feedback. I have mostly heard it. They feel like there's something there, 
it's uncomfortable at first, but then they pretty much adjust to that feeling, and it has not been described to me as painful. I've never felt it myself, and I'm sure there's lots of different, you know, everyone has a different sensitivity. So depending on who that person is, they would have to check in. If it was painful, they could take it out. Okay. So that's, you know, that's the that's sort of the, there's, you have mobility, there's no medication, and it's easy to take out. So those are sort of the pros to that. And, and how again, you have it? more time, right? That's mm-hmm. what, so whenever we're talking about induction, we're always kind of playing this game, your client is, of, of navigating and um, negotiating time. And one way to even think about induction, again, we're always questioning, is this even necessary, is, okay, so she's 41 in three days, and this care provider is really uncomfortable with that. And so here we are, we're finding ourselves in an induction right now, but the baby's looking great, and she's doing really well, and, you know, all of her vitals look great, and heart rates are, you know, everything's coming back and looking really good. So if we're here, can she just be monitored for the next 24 or 48 hours? Or maybe you're with a client where it's been a controllable labor for four days, or maybe she's starting into an early labor pattern, and those next 48 hours would really make a huge difference of just being there, laboring in the hospital, being monitored, but really not doing anything. So one of my, for me, in my tool bag, in my mind, one of the best tools I have as a doula when it comes to induction is time, more time, and building out more patience and more time to just labor in the hospital, yes, be monitored, and maybe not do anything at all, but be there. We're coming in for the induction, but maybe that medical induction doesn't start for two more days. And that's something your clients would have to advocate for. And that's something I've been doing the last few years a lot. And um, and it means more time in the hospital. It means a lot of patience and for everybody. And it also means that, you know, um, yeah, you're, you're having to communicate a lot more with the care team and they're having to advocate for that. Basically, I'm here, but I'm not going to be doing much. That's kind of how it goes. Um, and so the Foley catheter may be that first 24 hours or into 12 hours of, of the induction. Okay, this is, this is all part of navigating it. Um, and maybe they say no to all of it, and then your clients make other decisions, or they go straight to Pitocin, or they try other things. But I'm just trying to kind of plant seeds to think about it in a different way and to right. talk about it in a fuller way. It doesn't mean that this is your go-to or you have to practice this way at all. And, I want, and, and also, I need to say, there may be medical reasons to induce. Okay, so, of course, we're not the doctor, we're not the midwife, so you're taking that into consideration. Um, right. Can I just ask a quick um, question? Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. are women uh, so are women um, informed about these choices in the hospital, like with a doctor? Like, do they talk about the catheter and the the different options, or is so that... they may not cover those things. They may not say, "Hey, you know, you're coming in. We could do it this way. We could do it that way. We could do it this way." Most likely, they're not going to be having that conversation. It will really be your client who's coming in informed about the different options when it okay, comes fine. to induction. Okay. That's yeah. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> Most of the time they're going to go from A to B to C to D. Like whatever their process is that they right. pretty much use on everybody will be what they do to whoever's coming through until someone okay. says, hey, what about this? Okay. 
I see. So okay. pretty well, typical, I'd say, is cervidil to pitocin or cervidil to misoprostol, which is Cytotec. Mm-hmm. I have a question, and you may want to table it. Amazing. Yeah. In regards to um, C-sections, um, <clears throat> what I'm hearing from my friend in, in Jamaica is that um, they are intending to to have C-section two weeks before the baby's due. Um, there is no support that is allowed in the hospital, neither husband or doula. Um, and I'm wondering, because I've seen some videos about women being inducted and then it turning into C-section for those who are uh, scheduled for a C-section, they don't go through any kind of induction is my question, right? They don't allow for any kind of laboring. It's just straight into the OR. Right. That's what it sounds like in that scenario. But my question is, how is it done here in, in the U.S.? It can be that, too. I mean, it could absolutely be that your client goes to the doctor's visit and then something shows up in that appointment and they say, you know, we, are, we have to go straight to a cesarean. That can happen for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So if it is a scheduled C-section and there is no induction, right. um, I don't know how to then offer support Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I don't know. That I mean, apart from getting her prepared about, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This particular woman, yeah. she had, um, she had pain for a year after, after the epidural. Yeah. So I, I really don't know what to do. I'm at a loss in regards so, to the, the world of C-section and induction and that. If you're able to be with that woman, this is Becky. If you're able to be with that woman before the C-section starts, even if you're not allowed to be in the operating room, um, there's still so much kind of mental and emotional work you can do to help her, you know, go into that surgery in a really calm space and, you know, how we talked about this training, how excited you are to meet the baby and how, and, you know, just making her feel powerful going into that surgery, even if you're not, you know, going to be right beside her and, and her knowing that you'll be right there on the other side and that, even if she got separated with baby, if possible, you could go with baby or, you know, that there are other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Becky. Yeah. And feel free to call me if you want to talk more about this particular friend. I'm happy to talk through some ideas with you, too. Okay? Thanks. Um, so I, wanna, I just want to focus on two, the two medicines of Pitocin and also Misoprostol, which typically you'll hear just called Miso. And, uh, you know, you may not, it's, it's Miso and Misoprostol is a generic generic way of, of a generic name of, of Cytotec. Um, and I can post some articles about Cytotec. Um, Cytotec comes in a tablet form mm-hmm. and it is inserted into the vagina. Um, it will Usually it will be cut in either in quarters or halves or just given whole. It's very unclear 
you don't have the information ahead of time of how someone will react to that. And it is um, used very frequently. It's also a contra, you know, contraindicated drug for pregnancy. Um, and it's also used for uh, abortion. So it's a drug and medicine that has quite a bit of controversy around it. Um, it is, it's not approved by the FDA oh, wow. for, um, for pregnancy, and yet it's, tip, it's one of the most popular medications used. So it's one of those kind of, it's a red flag, I think, for a lot of people that are, you know, for birth workers, and yet we see it used a lot. Um, I've, in, you know, in my work in Uganda, I've seen it, I've seen it be used really dangerously and women have died and had uterine rupture because of it. If too much is given. Um, and you never know that until it's too late. So unlike Pitocin, which you can shut off, you can't do that with Cytotec. It melts into the body. Um, it's something that as a doula, I absolutely bring up in prenatals. I want my clients to be informed about the drug and for them to know ahead of time. I've asked midwives straight out, why are we even using this medication on pregnant women? And the answer I got was the shit works. Wow. And, you know, and is that good enough? <laughs> I, for me, it's not. I mean, there's an awareness that it's mm-hmm. controversial. It's also cheap. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. There's a lot of issues around it. Um, can, can you just spell and, it? I'm sorry. Yeah, I will, I'll post it all for okay. you guys on, on the site so you have all the medications. So it's, you know, Ina May has an article about it um, that's attached to her, her project around maternal mortality because of how dangerous, you know, many many people feel it is. Um, so that's, but that's also very, it's pretty typical to go straight to miso, okay, to get contractions to be stronger. So that's something to know about. It's something for your clients to know about. Uh, Pitocin is also another medication that would be, kind of next in line that goes, usually it's after cervidil. And Pitocin does have a shelf life. That means, you know, it's given in increments through an IV. They usually start at 2 mLs and then it goes up by 2, 2 to 4 to 6 to 8 and up and up and up about every 20 to 30 minutes. And they're wanting, once you're using Pitocin, you're wanting to see contractions closer together and stronger. And some women are very sensitive to Pitocin and others can, they can, you know, tolerate it and they're given a lot, a lot of medication. Um, I've seen very small amounts work and then they shut it off and then her labor pattern comes, you know, kind of reinstates itself on its own and a very, very little amount of Pitocin is given. And I've seen the opposite where mm-hmm. so much has been given and it's incredibly painful to tolerate. Unlike that kind of rounded wave that, you know, the image of a contraction that comes up and peaks down and is smoother and more manageable, Pitocin is more like a sharp peak and much stronger, eight times stronger than a a unmedicated contraction, a natural contraction. So because of that, people have a really hard time coping with those contractions. Naturally, it's harder and it's more painful, and that may lead then to making the decision to have an epidural. With the Pitocin. So the Pitocin will still be running, but the epidural will be given, and then they'll be, you know, they'll have no pain with it, associated with it. And that's pretty common for those things to go hand in hand, or they're going to be using Pitocin. They'll decide, okay, 
I still have my mobility. I can be on the birth ball and I can be in different positions with the Pitocin. And, you know, they can also decide to shut it off. If you're with someone and they're running Pitocin for really long periods of time, there are risks with that um, of the uterus being overworked and, and that would lead to, you know, um, complications like hemorrhage, uterine exhaustion, and also distress for the baby. So with everything I'm talking about, we never know how the baby will react. And so you may start, you know, your client may have a very small amount of Pitocin and the baby goes into distress or releases meconium or there are D cells and then you find yourself in a different situation, right? Right. Um, I think that... um, like every birth, it's such an individual choice. And sometimes um, a little Pitocin um, can be, can, can, can kind of get, can work, can get that, you know, the, the labor pattern going again so that your client feels like, okay, I'm, I'm back up to where I need to be right now. And they either shut it off and she goes on to have a vaginal birth or they run the Pitocin and she goes on to have a vaginal birth. Um, but knowing the risks and the benefits is very, very important ahead of time to have those conversations around Pitocin. And the Optimal Care and Childbirth book does a great job of explaining all of this. So you can go in the back of that book and look up the drugs that I'm talking about and read those chapters too. Read about induction in that book, which will really be very helpful as well. Um, I'm trying to think of other medications right now. Oh, the other thing, I, uh, there's one other thing I want to say about Cytotec. So there are risks related to Cytotec when the baby's inside in the uterus. Um, but if the baby's born and a woman is hemorrhaging, Cytotec is used effectively to stop a hemorrhage, and that would be given um, annually, like through the, in the anus. It's just the tablet is put inside. And most home birth midwives will carry Cytotec for that reason. It's used postpartum. postpartum. So just so you know, you know, you may hear that medication, but the baby's out and they're concerned about bleeding and they may say get some Cytotec or something and, you know, be informed about the differences of using it during labor versus postpartum. Okay. Okay. Um, Also, I want to talk about with induction as the doula, if you're really, if you're going earlier or you're coming, you know, as things get going, sometimes inductions can take two to four days. Uh, So think about your own plan and backups for sure. It may not be that sometimes an induction is eight hours long. But it may not be. You really may be going into a longer experience with an induction. Especially also if you're supporting your client and they want to kind of build out more time and not go straight to medications and the doing something kind of method. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, is, it, is it pretty... I mean, I feel like two to four days in the hospital is a long time and I feel like for most women that I've met who've had inductions, it's either been like 
really quick or in times where it's been a long process that the woman has actually been like sent back home or, you know, sent back out of the hospital and then told to like check back in if things change. Is that possible too? You can, there can be a lot of back and forth for sure. Mm -hmm. That is pretty common. Um, Yeah. May I ask a clarifying question? So the side attack is used postpartum if you are hemorrhaging, but the Pitocin is given postpartum to prevent a hemorrhage. Both. So both can be given postpartum to prevent Mm -hmm. a hemorrhage. Okay. And um, you will... um, Right, so one is that the side attack will come in a tablet form and the pitocin will usually be given as a shot in the thigh postpartum. Or if you already have IVs, it'll be <laughs> yeah, and we'll added to your IV. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, let, let's say a woman does not use any medication on medicated birth, she could, so that, that she could also use the pitocin for the hemorrhaging? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so she may have had an unmedicated labor and um, a then use for, for prevention of hemorrhage, yeah. Um, any any questions right now or anything to add? Becky or, Becky or Shoshana or anyone else who has some prior birth experience, do you have anything to add or other um, opinions or a different perspective or... Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I might not actually be able to add so much because I have to go to work in, in two minutes to get on the train. I've been um, walking through the train for the last part of the conversation. But the last thing that um, I would say is while my experience has been, like, small and limited, like, with the fact that all the labors that I, like, the the births that I have been to have been with women that have induced with chosen and or an epidural. Um, it's been very hard, like, it's been very hard for me to experience that as well as having four of those women because they were, the chosen wasn't working or the epidural, like, was delaying things for too long. Um, we've had doctors, you know, basically say, okay, well, we're just going to have to now start to consider a C-section just because you've been here too long. And for mm-hmm. me, that's been a hard experience, you know, to to go through because for me, I just never really understood the idea that just because someone is there in the hospital consideration for too long, especially while it's being under 24 hours, it's been hard to hear, like, okay, well, you've been here for, you know, almost 24 hours, too long in our opinion. We're going to have to start talking about sectionists. I don't know. I've been, I've struggled with hearing those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much, I think so much goes into before that moment. And then it really is, it really can be very challenging to navigate it when you're in that position. Um, yeah. It seems to me it's very fear-based, you know. It's all, um, 
you know, panic attack. What do we do? Okay, let's try this. <laughs> like, it's, it seems like it's all, a lot of it is very, it's very, like, you know, overly, preca- it just seems very precautious, you know, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are, you know, medical indications could be, depending on, you know, if there's, if there's a concern about the size of the baby, but there's huge variance there always. Mm-hmm. But that's one reason I've seen for induction, um, you know, preeclampsia. Um, you know, gosh, what what else? Reasons for induction. Um, Fetal distress, right? Low fluids, low amniotic fluid. Fetal distress of any kind, yeah. We haven't talked about non-stress tests, and I'm aware that we're going a little over, so I'm just going to be, be, mm-hmm. be conscious of the time. But non-stress tests um, test, you know, um, fetal, fetal, um, the mother's heart rate. I mean, the, the baby's heart rate, the mother's blood pressure, like basic vitals, right, are covered in the non-stress test. Non-stress tests um, are ways to kind of, for lack of a better way of saying it, by a few more days if somebody's really feeling pressured. Um, and they could go in for a non-stress test and say, okay, everything's looking great, the baby's looking great, the heart tones are great, um, you know, they want to induce on Monday, can we wait till, can we come back in on Wednesday for a non-stress test? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that kind of is one way to navigate. and get more days, more time, especially if she feels like in that time she's going to be getting acupuncture and doing other things to kind of help her body and support her labor to, to get going. Mm-hmm. Can it actually happen. I'm sorry, go yeah. ahead. Well, I was just going to say, too, about um, non-stress tests that, like, it's, you know, it's towards the, uh, you know, if the woman is starting to sort of go into post-dates, um, and, you know, she's going into um, an office to have, you know, non-stress tests like every couple of days um, and check fluid and all that stuff. Um, even though the signs are could be fine and good, um, you can still, the nurses or the technicians or even the OB can still be sort of, um, I don't know, mean <laughs> about it. Like they can say, well, fine, things look great, but, you know, this is really going on too long. I mean, I personally experienced a lot of sort of, um, like I felt really bullied and, um, you know, even though things were looking fine with with my pregnancy with Phoenix because I was 17 days late. And so I was going in every few days and things were fine. <laughs> she was still high up, but, you know, you're sort of, all these comments are made towards you about how this is, you know, going on too long and it just sort of adds to, um, you know, I don't know, like your doubt about how this is going and sort of the pressure and of, you know, the feeling that like you've been waiting so long and everyone's been waiting so long. So I feel like, you know, as a doula, it's really, if you have a client who's, you know, in that kind of space to really, if you can go with her, if you can't go with her to those tests, then, you know, just check in with her after those tests and, you know, kind of, hey, how are those figures? How are things looking? And, like, you know, sort of remind her that, hey, if things are still looking great, then, you know, they're great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, this is Becky, is if you have a client who is trying for a VBAC, that she'll be having different conversations with her yeah. provider about which induction mm-hmm. methods are safe for her. So not every mm-hmm. not every induction method is going to be on the table as an option. Specifically, Cervidil will be one that most likely won't be recommended for her mm-hmm. um, because it could increase her chance of uterine rupture. So yeah. knowing knowing the mom you're working with and what her specific needs are too. Absolutely, yeah. it's going to be very different for a VBAC mom. And so there's on the table for a VBAC mom because I, I guess what is on the table for a VBAC mom? Um, the way my midwife described it to me was that the the studies that the studies that are showing uterine rupture are showing the biggest spike with cervidil and the prostaglandin, and mm-hmm. that there's actually not as much evidence of uterine rupture with pitocin. Um, so when we were talking about possibly needing a, a, an induction for me after my VBAC, her plan was to do the folly bulb overnight and then mm. instead of the cervidil overnight, do the bulb. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, mm-hmm. if we needed to, start with a really low dose of pitocin mm-hmm. um, instead of doing the cervidil route. Mm-hmm. I have a but question on induction. The induction um, is the breaking of the amniotic sac in and of itself considered induction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Both points, thank you. Um, stripping membranes, okay, that's one, that's sort of the first step before breaking the, the, the sac altogether, all but absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And so considering where the baby is, what station is the baby really high, you know, these are things that could add to the risk of, of, of that. And also, if the woman's, you know, there really aren't very many signs and you're breaking the water at that point, you're also breaking the sterile environment and now, you know, they're going to be more cautious of the time mm-hmm. for that woman. Could I just ask, what is the risk of, um, a pro, like, a woman who has a very long pregnancy, like she's, overdue like what it, it's harmful for the baby um it makes it difficult like what are the risks of that so um they're going to be looking at the maturity of the placenta and the fun- how how well the sure placenta is still functioning so things like calcifications on the placenta if you see if you ever get a chance to see a placenta at like 43 weeks mm-hmm. or 42 and 6 or something like that you'll see it starts to change and mature okay. Um, and so sometimes the baby's not getting enough or the baby's not growing or they're concerned the baby's either too big or too small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, there is an increase in the risk of, of stillbirth with post right. Um So, and that's usually what they'll say, which is very scary, obviously, to say to him. Right. I'm sorry, um, I didn't hear that. I, I didn't hear that. Oh, I just said the risk of stillbirth goes up. Um, uh, this is Annie. Can I just hop in and say I have to? I'm walking into work right now. Um, yeah. So I'm hopping off the call. Hi, Annie. I'm okay, sorry, bye. Annie. So those are some of the things that, that you know, you'll hear. Um, 
And I'm looking up the statistic right now. If I can find it, I'll post it for you guys. That's actual statistic on what the risk is mm-hmm. post dates. Um, okay, it's fairly low, but it exists. So, mm-hmm. any other any other questions or comments? I think just to end the call, you know, one of the hardest things is really the emotional piece mm-hmm. yeah, of feeling more pressure, feeling like time is suddenly like it's a fight against time, um, feeling supported by a care provider, and then all of a sudden finding yourself in a situation where, you know, your client feels like, um, yes, they're in it, they're having to go to these appointments every two days. They can't just let go and relax and settle into this this is the time they've been preparing for the whole time and it kind of gets ruined with this stress, um, especially if it's not needed, it's not medically indicated, then it becomes really challenging, very difficult um, to either gather your strength to advocate more or to feel like, you know, you don't want to put your baby in danger. I mean, all these things are going on. Right. Lots of self-doubt, lots of fear. So this all comes up, and this is where we step in to support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it can be a lot to take in. So. Anything else, guys? So I'll post the medications just so you can see and definitely refer to the book um, for more information and um, we'll follow you know if there's anything that comes up from this conversation let's follow it up online and if anyone wants to talk with me one-on-one just shoot me an email and we'll set up a mentoring call great great thank you Okay, guys. Have a good day, everyone. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks, Emmy.